Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Monday. It's January the 29th. We are almost to the end. It's almost time for some new intro music in the waiting room. Some of you guys are really excited. Some of you guys have been doing the Richard, what was it, the Richard Simmons Kegel exercises as you waited for the show. Uh, Looking forward to bringing on my buddy George Hill today, so you guys are going to get a nice taste of a subject matter expert on counterterrorism. And for those of you who do not know, George Hill. FBI whistleblower. He is a retired supervisory intelligence analyst. He was the uh, the guy in charge of intel and counterintelligence and counterterrorism in the Boston field office for the FBI. He also spent 26 years in uniform, uh, close to 40 years total in the intelligence sphere. Going to be bringing his takes. He sent me a message this morning, actually sent all the suspendables a message this morning about his concerns with the situation that is brewing now in Iran. And I said, why don't we come talk about it? Uh, Much better for you to talk about it than for me. I want to hear from voices that know more than I do, and I know you guys do as well. All right, folks. So we got kind of a a packed up show. We're going to be talking about uh, elites. They hate you. We know that. But what kind of things do they actually think? We're going to do that. Uh, Apparently, Donald Trump is going to get a hit for the Republicans pounce game. That's not surprising, but it is kind of funny. And apparently, Nikki Haley is safe from Donald Trump. We'll get into that. Uh, Lloyd Austin made a statement about the fallen service members, which we're going to get into. Got some good videos, got some clips of Joe Biden saying things that are not true. Got some clips of him saying things that uh, he does believe back when he was still uh, lucid, when his mind still worked. And then I've got a pretty shocking video, which we're going to hold to the end of kind of the ugliest thing that I've heard from an American congresswoman maybe ever. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. When I saw it, I was like, oh, man, I, I wish I actually knew this language so I could translate it. We've got Ilhan Omar speaking in Somali, and she's talking to a Somali crowd this last couple of days in her home state, her now home state. And I think the stuff is going to shock you. So if you are normally listening on the audio, it's worth you guys either finding it on the Twitter timeline, which I will put out, or it's worth you actually coming in here and just watching it on Rumble. And we'll see if uh, if George wants to stick around and give his diagnosis of it. But pretty wild stuff. And we got a little bit of dad jokes, Midwestern jokes, kind of to end it all up. So that's the show for today. That's what's coming up. Um, let me first say thanks to my friends over at Catholic Vote, our underwriting sponsors of the Kyle Serafin Show. You guys can go to catholicvote.org. Again, it's catholicvote.org. Simply put in your email if you want to get the loop like I do. They have uh, five days a week, and then there's a weekend loop that comes in on Saturday. In fact, one of our stories is coming from the weekend loop. So I highly recommend you guys check out catholicvote.org. Get looped in. You'll get all kinds of good information. They are in the fight for faith, family, and freedom, America's top Catholic advocacy group. You don't have to be Catholic to get the loop. It's just news. It's just good news. Some of the stuff on the bottom will be prayers and more Catholic focus. But uh, the the opening of it is simply conservative-oriented Better than AP newswire service, including some of their own original reporting coming in now. They've got a staff writer, a couple of them that are coming on. And you guys can always donate to support the Kyle Serafin Show at the Give button, which is right on the top right-hand side of catholicvote.org. So I encourage you to do that. If you're joining us on Rumble right now, and if you're joining us anywhere else, uh, go ahead and hit the like button. Give us the give us the thumbs up here on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, and let's get right into it, shall we? Number one. Right off the bat, and as I said, coming directly out of this this Saturday Loop edition, a poll says Ivy Leaguers, top 1% of earners, think that Americans have too much freedom. That's an interesting hot take, is it not? Man, too much freedom. Is that something you'd ever think that you'd heard? Anybody who who's older than about 20 years old, can you imagine growing up and then getting into this time in history, learning that the elites think that you have too much freedom. I thought that was what they were all trying to share with America. It was all about teaching people how much freedom they were supposed to have. Catholic News Fee is reporting. A, a new poll has found that a majority of graduates from Ivy League colleges, how much does this have to do with that whole thing going on in Colorado in the Supreme Court? Do you guys recall? It was a four to three decision, and the four were all Ivy or Ivy adjacent. They were all kind of coastal elite type schools. 
Hmm. Nearly half of the top 1% of earners believe that there is, quote unquote, too much freedom in the United States. Among respondents who obtained degrees from Ivy League institutions, 55% said there's too much freedom in the country, while only 15% said there was, quote unquote, too much control. Hmm. 30% said things are about right or they're not too sure. And, you know... Meanwhile, you got 47% of the top 1% are saying that there's still too much freedom as well. So this is kind of a scary and interesting little little poll. It's kind of indicative of the place that we live. But uh, how many of them would have felt comfortable saying that not too long ago? I guess that's the thing that makes it so strange to me. A healthy majority of everyday voters, 57%, said that there was too much control. So once again, we deal with this, this situation on a regular basis. The, uh, the haves and the have-nots, it's class war, but it's not the class war that they're actually trying to, to set up, is it? The class war looks like the people at the bottom think that we need a little bit more freedom. We need to be reins off, American capitalism, do what you want to do, the things that we were kind of sold were the American values. And then you've got these folks at the top who keep acting like they're trying to uh, spread and share and save democracy which was what? The tyranny of the majority, as we talk about here all the time. That 50% plus one, but they actually don't really want that. That's nonsense. That's the Marxist sort of invasion that has come in. These people at the top of the political food chain, the people at the top income earners, you know, they probably always felt this way. Isn't it interesting that they're willing to say it now? And they say it in a way that is guised with language that is obviously a, a ridiculous. Too much freedom. Too much freedom. Uh, another respondent said, uh, well, what's the issue here? You know, what's what are these people really concerned about? They need to fight fight climate change. Would they be willing? Oh, my God, I got to put this back on the screen. Would they be willing to fight, you know, in order to fight climate change? Would they be willing to favor or oppose strict rationing of gasoline, meat and electricity? And 89 percent of the graduates from these Ivy League schools. I guess we're not teaching thinking. Uh, they were supporting rationing. They thought that was reasonable. 77% of the top 1% of income earners also agreed with that. Everyday voters, only 28% said that it was going to be acceptable as a drastic measure. So the yacht and the jet set crowd think that it's reasonable to, let me just say what those things are again, gasoline, <laughs> electricity, and meat. Do you think that the, uh, the most wealthy, the most powerful, the most privileged people in this society are interested in rationing themselves? Is that even remotely possible? Do we have any belief that there's a possibility that people are like, yeah, not only do I want all the, the poors to not have meat on a regular basis or electricity sometimes or gas to be able to go places, I also want to be regulated. There's no way. There's just no way that this is the case. It makes zero sense. And yet that's what we're teaching. That's the kind of people that we are uh, and we're electing them. God, are we electing them? Are we not? It also includes the sort of political class of people that comment on this kind of stuff for a living. I uh, I love going in. We had a Twitter space last night for those of you guys who joined us, and we really appreciate it. Uh, I jumped in. There is a, a, a Sarah Fam F-A-M, space that goes on on Sunday nights, and you guys are welcome to do it. And uh, <laughs> the discussion there is, is kind of amusing to me, only that people have found each other through this chat that we have, the live chat, which you guys are missing out if you're not on Rumble. Again, it's rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, my name. You can find us. Yes, we're streaming on X. Yes, we're in other places too. Yes, we've thrown it back up on YouTube for a little bit because they're not going to tell us what we can and can't do. But most importantly, it's like we're out there pushing this forward because it connects people. And you guys have to know across across all these different boundaries from East Coast to West Coast, from Midwest and, and up and down and down to Texas here, Texas, America. You, you guys have to know that you're not alone. But interestingly enough, these folks would love to regulate not, not just what you can have. How about this? There are also the people that are working at the top of these federal government agencies like CISA where they want to actually regulate what you can think. That's why the media is so dangerous to us right now. Um, we're going to bring in... In just one second here, let me just let me just do the Trump piece because, man, Trump got hit with this from CNN. I'm sure he's absolutely devastated. He he's pouncing on this opportunity, this political opportunity that has happened, the political opportunity that United States troops died and that there's a crisis at our border. That's apparently Trump's fault, if you believe CNN. Again, my favorite, my absolute favorite, Stephen Collinson, who comes out there and has absolutely no ability to be honest in any way, shape or form. And his headline literally 
Trump seizes on U.S. troops killed and border crisis so he can sell his message in a general election. Apparently, Stephen is talking to an audience at CNN. Not only do the the 1% types and the Ivy League graduates probably read this stuff, but they also apparently have never paid attention to American politics, and they're just waiting for the new chip to be inserted in the back of their head. The download can be updated with what their feelings are, and they're still mad at Orange Man Bad. Are they not? Donald Trump's core election, the general election argument, is that Joe Biden is weak and incapable, and that's why he needs to be the strong man to save America. Does anybody who who, who watches Joe Biden think that that man has any sense of what's going on in any way, shape, or form? Is there is there someone that's going to make a, a reasonable argument that, in fact, Joe Bi- it's not Joe Biden's fault, you know, what he's done as president? The first thing he did was sign a bunch of executive orders to repeal all of the border protections that Trump had. And, and the results were were obvious right up front. So you've got uh, the, the former president saying there's a 100% chance there will be a major terrorist attack in the United States. So many attacks, maybe. <laughs> you got to love the Trump version of it. And it's all because of what happened in the last three years. We're going to talk to George Hill about that in just one moment. I just wanted you guys to hear that apparently is Donald Trump seizing on opportunity. And he's uh, grandstanding on the death of, uh, of, of sol- you know, soldiers and, and service members who were killed over the weekend. Um, I got a quick video. This is not an honest video, but we might as well play it anyway. You guys ready for this? This is a video of James Langford. People are worried about what the uh, what this border deal might look like with the Biden administration. I want you guys to get a little taste of it. This is this is what's being said. I will leave it up to you. Many people think this is a lie. I, I don't know one way or another. I haven't seen the bill. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see it. But this is the claim. Then we've got a couple little pieces from Joe Biden, and then we're going to bring on George. So stand by hear it right now there's internet rumors is all that people are running on it would be absolutely absurd for me to agree to 5,000 people a day this bill focuses on getting us to zero illegal crossings a day there's no amnesty it increases the number of border patrol agents it increases asylum officers it increases detention beds so we can quickly detain and then deport individuals it ends catch and release it focuses on additional deportation flights out it changes our asylum process so that people get a fast asylum screening at a higher standard and then get returned back to their home country this is not about letting 5,000 people in a day this is the most misunderstood section of this proposal. And let me tell you briefly what it is. Uh, In the last four months, we've had seven days. In four months, we've had seven days uh, that we had less than 5,000 people. This is set up for if you have a rush of people coming at the border, the border closes down, no one gets in. This is not this is not someone standing at the border with a little clicker saying, I'm going to let one more in. We're at 4,999, and then it has to stop. It is a shutdown of the border, and everyone actually gets turned around. Okay. That's the focus that we have right now is how do we actually intervene in this administration and turn people around, not let people in. So there you go. Whether you believe it or not, sounds like he's gotten uh, hammered by by the GOP in Oklahoma. That's probably reasonable. I got a couple little clips here I want to play for you guys of Joe Biden kind of uh, responding and uh, letting people know how angry he is because he's super angry all the time. That's sort of sundowner symptoms, right? Uh, he's he's really mad that Donald Trump would have said something that Donald Trump didn't say. This was one of those hearsay things that has been out there for quite a while and has been pretty well debunked by people that were actually on the ground with Donald Trump. Um, we're going to see if uh, we can put it together. We got like kind of a back-to-back. This is kind of the uh, the RNC research Twitter handle. They love to put out sort of this is bad stuff on Joe Biden, and then obviously that some people will respond to it with things that he actually did say. Uh, so here's, here's Biden making an allegation about Donald Trump that's been pretty thoroughly debunked, but man, is he mad about it. He's super, super pissed off. Uh, let's roll this out. Let's see what it says. Donald Trump, when he was commander in chief, refused to visit a cemetery, U.S. cemetery outside of Paris for fallen American soldiers. And he referred to those heroes, and I quote, as suckers and losers. He actually said that. He said that. How dare he say that? How dare he talk about my son and all of us dressed like that? Apparently, uh, Biden believes that his son is buried outside of Paris and or he's conflated the idea that someone who died of cancer is like someone who hit the beaches in Normandy. It's bizarre. It's We're living in a really strange time. This is something he actually did say. 
Uh, when he thought he was funny, I think what he doesn't probably understand is how military culture works. The difference between how excited we are about the officers pointed over us that went to an academy, which are mm, we'll talk to George about what we think about academy officers versus those who uh, who came up through the ranks and became either Mustangs or whatever you want to call it in whatever service. The sort of crossovers from enlisted, um, you know, it's just a, I don't think he has any understanding about how military culture works. So here he is saying things about uh, what he thinks about our service members in real life. Incredibly good judgment. One, I married Jill. And two, I appointed Johnson to the Academy. I just want you to know that. Just clap for that, you stupid bastards. Yeah, he wants you to clap for that, you stupid bastards. And, uh, you know, that's just how we feel about it. We just want to clap. And we want to bring on George Hill, my buddy. Can you hear me, George? Loud and clear. How you know, about you? I'm good. I've got some, I had some walkout music for you, you know, so I give a little uh, intro to who you are and tell people what's up. Cause if you're just joining us now and you've never seen George Hill, you should get pretty excited. What do you think? Very good. This is, this is the coming at you. So this is George Hill. He's a uh, retired supervisory intelligence agent, uh, op, sorry, uh, analyst from the FBI. He was in the Boston field office and he handled a number of different national security type priorities. And, uh, You've got your pin on upside down, man. Yeah, I just I'm looking at that. I'm I like, need you to fix that while hell? we talk. Do I? Yeah, we'll just leave you on the camera. But let's uh, let's let's just talk. Uh, George spent time both in the Navy and in the Marine Corps as an intelligence analyst. He's got some on the ground, uh, in the box time with real terrorists. Probably more more experience with real terrorists than, let's see, probably anybody in the FBI senior management. Does that that make sense? I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, thousands of hours. Um. Yeah, so we're gonna we'll go blood wings here. <laughs> just, you know? pound, just pound it into your chest. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. I'll pound them on next time I see you as just a penance for what for having them upside down. Absolutely, yeah, Look, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame that on uh, on the fact that you were looking into the camera and you were trying to put it on correctly and it looked right yeah. probably at the time. All right, so George Hill, we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, Iran, if you would. Yes. And and why don't you share the message that we started off this morning that that had me reach out to you? Let's see where we're at. So we're not sure if Dark Brandon is going to go full Dark Brandon, but all of the sources that I have, it looks like they're moving assets into the region to conduct a sustained uh, aerial campaign, and that'll be added on to with uh, theater ballistic missiles. Um, the, the general thinking is about maybe a 48-hour campaign. That's speculation. We don't know that. None of us, you know— are members of the National Security Council. We don't sit on the Joint Chiefs of Staff, but all indications are that he's going to succumb to political pressure and do something to uh, uh, to push back on Iran for the all the numerous attacks across the uh, region, and then obviously the recent deaths of, of two American servicemen. So if you if you don't mind, I'd like to read uh, Lloyd Austin's statement real quick, just for people to, to kind of see what that looks like. And then uh, from there, maybe we'll get a comment on it. But, uh, you know, there, there's always going to be some reaction from the political types. Let me just read this out here if you're if you're cool with it, George. So this is the statement that was released uh, from DOD statement from Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin on the attack against U.S. and coalition forces on the northeastern Jordan or in North, northeastern Jordan near the Syrian border. So he says, I'm outraged and deeply saddened by the death of three of our U.S. service members and the wounding of other troops. We're finding out that a lot of people have TBIs and got rattled pretty good um, in an attack last night against U.S. and coalition forces who were deployed to a site northeastern Jordan uh, near the Syrian border to work for the lasting defeat of ISIS. These brave Americans and their families are in my prayers and the entire Defense Department mourns their loss. Iran-backed militias are responsible for these continued attacks on U.S. forces, and we will respond at a time and a place of our choosing. The president and I will not tolerate attacks on American forces and will take all necessary actions to defend the United States, our troops, and our interests. George, what what, is, uh, what, what sort of things are they able to do unilaterally without getting, let's say, you know, members of Congress to jump in and, and declare war? Not very much. If they want to actually attack assets within Iran, um, Congress is going to go you know, throw a hissy. Um, Lindsey Graham will probably um, get the first first boner he's had in 30 years. But if they want to attack assets in Iran, it's, um, you know, constitutionally, that, that's a problem. If he wants to, you know, the, the, 
The Constitution gives the executive branch and the commander in chief the the, the 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 legal cover to defend U.S. citizens and U.S. troops. But going into Iran is a whole nother level of escalation. But you don't move these kind of assets into the theater uh, unless you, you know, to hit, you know, a bunch of guys with technical vehicles and mobile rocket launchers. Uh, and drones again. I mean, I don't know how many strikes we're up to now on the Houthis, but until you go and cut the head off of the snake, these attacks aren't going to stop. And I'm not advocating for an attack in Iran. All I'm saying is, is that from a strategic and a tactical standpoint, you can bomb the Houthis all day long, but it's not going to stop anything until Iran pays a price. It's it, it's nothing. You just cut out on me a little bit. Let me let me push over here because there was something I did want to show. You mentioned the uh, Lindsey Graham types, and we'll get George back in just one second. Um, here's Lindsey Graham's tweet about all this. Hit Iran now and hit them hard. And then we've got John Cornyn from Texas, target Tehran. We're, we're talking about two apparently sort of neocon war hawks. These people, in theory, are Republicans. This is the rhino problem that we keep talking about. Uh, folks that think that they are going to be they're driving the same train that this Nikki Haley sort of faction of the party looks like. I know a lot of people in the chat now are not too thrilled about either of these guys, and nor am I. My real concern is, is that they're driving, you know, do they have any skin in the game? I keep talking about skin in the game. Do they have anyone that they're going to be sending from their family to go and get involved in this? And essentially, you guys already know the answer. Let's talk about the powers that are actually enumerated to Congress, because I think that's the thing. We continue to kind of push civics lessons, and, and George just dropped off the stream for a little bit here. So he was totally green and then gone. We'll bring him back up in just a moment. Um, let's talk about this, because I did want to bring it up beforehand. We just talked about what authorities they would actually have to be able to do this sort of thing. And uh, and they're not many, as George just stated. Here's here's the, the section of the Constitution that's relevant. Number one, this is... This is Article 1. This is Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution. Hey, George, I can hear you. I'm going to bring you back in just a second. We're going to cover down on this piece of the Constitution that's so relevant, I think. Article 1, Section 8, tells us the powers that Congress actually has. All right, folks? So the powers Congress have are very specific, and they're the largest number of powers of any of the branches of the government. But I've actually highlighted a couple of them. They have the power to declare war, to grant letters of mark and reprisal, and to make rules concerning the capture on lands and waters. To raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money that should be used for longer than two years. So that means you have to have an appropriation bill every two years. To provide and maintain a navy to make rules for the government and regulations of the land and naval forces. To call forth the militia to execute the laws of the land, including suppress insurrections and repel invasions. You guys have been hearing a lot about this kind of stuff. Why is this not going on? And for organizing and arming and disciplining. But the real big piece here is that that declaration of war ability, George. And we're not going to get, I don't think, a declaration of war from this Congress. No, no, absolutely not. There's no stomach for this. But I, I want to kind of push forward, push past this, this, this legal discussion, Kyle, if I may. Mm -hmm. So just to give your listeners you know, some idea. I had for over 10 years the counterintelligence and the cyber programs in Boston. So I had a a bird's eye view every single day of Iranian intelligence capabilities and how they operate uh, in the cybersphere. There's nothing that I'm going to say here that is not out in the public domain. Um, so I want to be clear on that because I, I know you also have an expanded audience at SecD. The Iranians want this. People need to understand that um, the Iranians are and in that region is all it's all about religion it's all about the shia sunni split iran is shia they do not we are not religious we don't view the world that way we view the iranians and the activities going on right there as them looking for regional hegemony or you know trying to uh exert, exert some sort of dominance over the world uh, over that region they're not they're looking to to knock Saudi Arabia off, to retake the holiest sites of Islam, and to spread Shia uh, throughout the region as, as they consider it. In order to do that, they need to bring about the, the 12th Imam, or the Mahdi, M-A-H-D-I. 
and the Mahdi will usher, usher in the end of times, and Islam will reign across the globe after much bloodshed and violence. We don't have to believe that. The point is that, that they believe that. So if we go all in for the Iranians, this is, this is exactly what they're looking for. We don't understand and have never understood the Middle East. My Saudi team and I, for over a year, wrote volumes on the Islamic view of the world, and that's probably all sitting in the same warehouse as the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> I, I should have video, uh, like B-roll footage of that, of the Ark of the Covenant thing, lest anybody who hasn't seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Essentially, the idea that w- that it's warehoused with all the things like the uh, the X-Files are all there too, right? All the alien craft pieces, all the technology and all the information that is really, really important, but we just don't want to deal with it because it's kind of a pain in the ass. You're, you're saying that you guys wrote all these volumes, and have you ever seen any action taken that would that would indicate people who are making decisions have actually received that information? No, there's no evidence of that. Remember, when SEAL Team 6 took down the bin Laden compound in Abbottabad, the FBI sent out a clarion call looking for linguists and analysts to go through the, the mountain of data that was captured in Abbottabad. And that all turned off after about six weeks. Like, yeah, yeah we're done here. Nothing to see. The Iranians, after 9-11, took in a number of al-Qaeda uh, in, into their sanctuary and, and held them there for decades. We don't understand, we meeting the United States and the West, don't understand what it is that the Iranians are seeking, and we're just going to play right into this. And going back to my earlier statement that I'm not giving anything away that is not already in the public sphere, the Iranian cyber capabilities are extremely robust. They have compromised every cyber network in the region with the exception of Israel, every single one. They got into Aramco. They caused all sorts of problems there a few years ago. We've seen them playing around in this country. They're not to be ignored. If they want to hurt us, they can hurt us in the cyber realm. We've got 10 million strangers in the country. We know that Venezuela has had a visa program or a passport program giving uh, Venezuelan passports to Iranians that have been flowing into socialist Venezuela for years. Let's let's so, di- let's dig into the border implications in just one second. I want to um, while people are thinking about it and while we've got the uh, while I've got the wherewithal, I want to put up uh, my, my friends over at Four Patriots real quick. We're going to say thanks to a sponsor who's getting this thing done. And this is probably an opportune time. If you guys think that uh, unrest or capabilities of, of other foreign nations are going to come in and affect what we're doing in this country, it's probably a good time to get yourself prepped. I know George is fully capable in his own right. He's got stashes of things. If you guys are not keeping track of emergency foods, whether it be you buy it from here or somewhere else, make sure you're getting yourself prepped up with continuity of comms, with continuity of calories, right, and making sure that you have the gear that you require. Some of you are less. You're going to be very light and limp and nimble. But make sure you've got some food. Make sure you've got some water, some purification options. You can go to 4Patriots, the number 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. The promo code is Kyle. If you go to the number 4Patriots.com, check out their options. If you're not getting it done there, getting it done somewhere else, make sure you are preparing for the worst case scenarios. And that way you can just at least have a little bit of peace in mind should something happen. Because what you don't want to do is get the next news report that pops in that says fill in the blank thing has happened. We're going to talk about what that might look like. If any of those things happen and you're basically scrambling around running to a grocery store, that's the last place you want to be is running to get supplies and try to figure out what happens next for your basic needs. So solve those problems up front and have at least a little bit of peace of mind so you can at least address the actual problem, which may be physical danger. It may be unrest in cities. It may mean that you're not going to work for a little while and you're going to have to figure out how to keep the lights on or keep you know your your... Um, appliances running, things like that. So check out 4Patriots, the number 4Patriots.com slash Kyle. All right, George, let's talk about it. You, we just mentioned you got 10 million strangers. That's probably a conservative number, I think. Yes, yeah. And who could these strangers be? And how would that also, cyber capabilities aside, let's talk about physical capabilities and what that might mean. Sure. So you've got, you know, over well over 10 million strangers in the country. And even if you lowball it and give one tenth of one percent, you've got over a hundred thousand people in this country. There's a, a high likelihood that mean us harm. So we saw what nineteen hijackers did, and I don't want to get hyperbolic. I don't want to sound like you know that you know uh, a hybrid between Alex Jones and Glenn Beck, and and but it's just the simple numbers. You know, people are not going. Iranians are not going to Venezuela to find a better life in America. 
You cannot leave China and come to the United States without permission of the Chinese Communist Party. You don't have a, a, road, a transportation network uh, mapped out specifically for Chinese to come up through Central America to make their way to the border. So anyone who says that there aren't people in numbers that have come across the border that mean us ill will is whistling past the graveyard. So, for example, like I teach college, if you wanted to cause havoc in our cities, which are already buckling on, on the knees uh, from the weight of all these illegals that they're trying to house, uh, it's very simple. These transformers that we use that we don't manufacture in this country, we haven't manufactured them in this country for 30 years. There's a 10-year backlog for them. You could just shut off the power to Chicago and cause holy hell within a matter of hours kinetically if you can't make it through through cyber means. It's not that hard. Um, you, it's just um, – you, you remember this This goes back before my time, but it's things that people who live through it recall in a very vivid way. The, the, the largest city in our country, New York City, was brought to its needs by a garbage strike. It wasn't that wasn't even a technical means. That was just a union pushing back and saying, hey, we want, you know, the following conditions. We want the following raises. They were able to bring New York, New York City to its knees because the amount and the volume of garbage, just trash being thrown out on the streets was enough to make it an unlivable situation in the 70s. They just said, OK, you know what? You guys don't like what we're doing. How about you pay us right or we'll just let you live with your trash for one week. One week was enough for things to get really, really spicy. Now, if you live in the suburbs, it's a different animal. But the major urban cores, that is a non-technical way. Now, imagine you turn off the heat, as you just said. You turn off the lights. You know, when people actually experience this, it goes to holy hell in a handbasket almost immediately when people start panicking. They look around. They're not prepared. <laughs> they're not. They're living in tiny little apartments or they're living in uh, otherwise un, un you know, uh, survivable situations. And I think that's the for anybody who lives outside of a major urban city and hasn't spent a lot of time in a Boston, in a New York, in a Washington, D.C., you can't even imagine the desperation that's going to step in with very little. And, you know, we can talk about it uh, kind of in a non-classified way, but I visited our infrastructure outside the Capitol, too. You were doing it in, uh, you know, in your in your task force in Boston. We were seeing what was going on in uh, in the D.C. area and they're giving tours to the Chinese and others. They're literally walking them through all of our infrastructure saying, look how great our water filtration is and this and the fences are you know not mended and the, the people there are looking at it and they can wear cameras. There's literally no security on any of our infrastructure where all of our government employees work and all of our people at the Pentagon and so on. Yeah, it's not going to take very much to to plunge the cities into into hell. So, you know, just use, you know, follow on effects. So a garbage strike or a power outage. Let's just go with a power outage in a major city. And after two, three days, you have the population losing their minds. Factor on top of that, 6,000 illegals that may you know, be camped out in New York City. And you've got widespread street violence. So if you're a law enforcement officer, and I'm not disparaging them, but at some point in time, you're going to say, my family needs me to be at home. And then you're truly on your own. To quote Tim Kennedy, you are your own first responder. So my concern about, you know, a strike in Iran, and I'm not going to get into policy discussions here. This is not what your podcast is about, whether we should or whether we shouldn't. But if it looks like Dark Brandon goes full Dark Brandon, we're going to pay a price for it here. It's it's not going to go without a, the tat after we give him the tit. Out of curiosity, and I didn't float this by you, but I'm just, I'm, we keep, talking about the possibility that we don't have an election. We, we had this discussion uh, in, in the, the Twitter space last night, even the mechanism by which we would not have an election in 2024 is sort of up for grabs. Anybody could speculate on what it would be. Major U.S. terror strike, a major cyber attack on U.S. cities. Take your pick and you start generating all the chaos that we're talking about. Is that one of the mechanisms that makes sense to you as far as looking for that excuse? I would put that in the realm of or probability. Yeah, I, I would above fifty percent. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I'm not, I, I can't see into the future, but it's an easily executed plan if you if you want to stay in power to to facilitate uh, that sort of thing, where you have to declare martial law or it's too dangerous for people to go to the polls. So we're going to have nationwide mail-in voting. It could be any number of things, but there's nothing in history to indicate that once a political party has captured 
complete power and authority over the state that they're just going to willingly give it up. That's why George Washington was such a pivotal figure in our country, is that he willingly stepped down from the presidency, and he could have kept it really for as long as he had wanted it. So I, I don't expect any of these people to, to just willingly give back power, certainly not in, a, in an election or a free and fair, legitimate, straight-up election. It's, it's, there's nothing in history to say that that would be the case. Well, let let me expose a little bit of ignorance that I just uh, corrected this morning. I always, and I remember Joe Biden talking about how he wanted to be transformational or trans, I can't remember if he said transformational or transitional, but essentially he was he was making this hearkening back to FDR, right? And the fact that FDR was fundamentally able to change this country and, and he was successful in that in many ways, bringing in all these, what I would say are terrible policies. I remember as a kid, they always talked about how great they were. Because uh, even even in the Catholic schools and the decent private schools I went to, like there was this this leftist bend where, you know, the New Deal was actually a solution. It wasn't actually a problem. Um, what I didn't realize, and I remember that FDR served three terms. I've had that in my head forever. I've always known that. I didn't realize he won a fourth election and then he actually died in office. Can you talk mm -hmm. about how close we were to actually having a king in this country with that sort of thing? 100 percent. Everybody in the military loved him when he died. And it was broadcast, uh, you know, to the armed forces. They were devastated. He could have stayed in office for as long as he wanted to as well, because there was no constitutional amendment at that time. So he had the support of the American people. He had everyone largely convinced that that he saved them from the Great Depression and that he ended the World War, Second World War, and saved the world from fascism and communism all at the same time. So, no, it, he was as close to a godlike figure uh, that we've had in in, in the White House. And, and less people, you know, just go out there and put this. Like I said, I, sometimes what we do here is we educate. Sometimes I'm just educating myself. 1932, he wins. 1936, he wins. 1940, he wins. Now we're in World War II. And in the middle of World War II, towards the tail end of it, in 1944, he wins again, is resworn back in, and then dies in office in 45, lest he serve a full 16 years as the president of this country. And there's many arguments made that he actually brought us into World War II on purpose. Um, you know, and that's that's for another show and another time and another analysis. But a man who spent 16 years as the as the chief executive officer of this country, it was previously unprecedented. Nobody had ever thought to do it before, grabbed a hold of those reins of power and then just wrote it. And literally only only by the grace of God that he actually died in office, that he didn't he didn't finish it out, which is kind of yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, there's nothing in history to indicate that that once in power that they willingly relinquish it. That's again, that's why George Washington was such a seminal figure in our country's history. And I don't expect the current administration or permanent Washington, sometimes referred to as the deep state, to just give it all up. I mean, we just learned, you know, that the NSA has, you know, purchased uh consumer databases of, of purchase patterns. And we saw that just last week where FinCEN, the Financial Intelligence Center, was ingesting purchasing information from the credit card companies you know we now have the computing capacity to control people's lives like we've never had in human history and this is before we have artificial intelligence so <laughs> we're not going to give up anything willingly will you uh will you comment a little bit on the bank of america information that you exposed and then give people kind of a you know when you're when we're speaking i think a lot of times there's so much information and if we don't say it over and over again then people don't have a chance to hear it i'm always like i said i'm just learning things again this morning about fdr that i thought i really ought to know and uh you know and you're a much more recent figure in the world you expose information about b of a and it, it just goes exactly to what you just said a second ago maybe you can kind of talk about what that would look like so the short Reader's Digest version was Bank of America data mined their customer database, and they pulled out of that anyone who had either traveled to the capital region on January 6, 2021, or had used their Bank of America product, whether that be a debit card or a credit card, between January 5th and January 7th in the capital region. So they created that list. Then if that person had ever purchased a firearm ever anywhere, they went to the top of that list. And then they took that list, gave it to the FBI, in turn, WFO, Washington Field Office, sent it out to the various field offices of, of anybody on that list and asked the field offices to open up preliminary investigations on those individuals. Boston said no. My SAC backed me up in congressional testimony, uh, backed up my congressional testimony, and then Jill Sanborn backed up the SAC. Boston said no. 
And the SEC couldn't understand, like, why am I going to testify, meaning him? And it's like he had to be, it had to be explained to him. It's like, Joe, it's not about you. It's not about that Boston did something wrong. It's that Boston did something right. Why did everybody else just say, oh, yeah, we'll open up cases on those people? So essentially, that was the Bank of America genesis. To, that was the first optic on it. But then we've since come to learn that Chase, Bank of America, all the big banks, Citibank, are all just giving purchasing information to the Financial Intelligence Center, FinCEN. So what's FinCEN doing with it? They're not just sitting on it. That costs money to ingest all that data, to warehouse it. Obviously not in a physical warehouse, but data warehouse that. Are they making it available to someone within the um, federal law enforcement community? And if so, to whom are they making it available? What is the legal mechanism that they're uh, that is in place for them to to data mine that information. What other information are they marrying it up with? So, look, this is this is totalitarianism, uh, almost at its acme. I mean, we're we're there. It just creeps and creeps and creeps, and there are laws in place that are supposed to do secrecy, the Bank Secrecy Act, and some others, where you literally cannot disclose or get certain information for certain types of cases. But that doesn't stop intelligence act, and this is what. I think I continue to beat down the drum on, and I think you have been really good at kind of helping explain as well. We're not dealing with law enforcement capabilities. We're talking about intelligence capabilities, and some of those intelligence agencies, the FBI specifically, as poor of an excuse as an intel agency as it is, it also has law enforcement capabilities. It has the ability to go out and slap cuffs on people and generate criminal complaints and put people in jail. And that's the danger that we continue to warn about. Any any kind of uh, parting shots on that topic, and then I'll give you one more I got. No, I, I think you summed it up. We are in a very precarious place. Um, you know, your earlier segment about, you know, how some people have too much freedom. You know, that should be anathema. Every American should, should chafe at that. But yet we continue to build infrastructure to limit people's freedom and to the point of, you know, are we ready yet for the Hillary Clinton advocating for the uh, re-education camps. Think about how crazy it is to hear that the coastal elites, the Ivy League types, the those are the top 1% of earners in this country are interested in limiting freedom and gasoline and electricity and movement and all these other kind of pieces. And on top of that, they also want to bring more people into theoretically like an already resource-starved area and put more stress on that. They want unlimited you know, open borders. And that's Donald Trump's fault, of course. You left out the most important thing. Now, now they're going after coffee, saying that the CO2 emissions used in the production of coffee is actually bringing about the demise of the planet. And that clearly is a bridge too far. This is yeah, this is this is where it gets violent for us. Uh, That's a come and take it situation. Right. First thing in the morning. (laughs) How dare you? How dare they? Um, All of that stuff. I think is good background. Here, here's what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind. Your background is in, in anal- uh, analysis and kind of giving possible roads that we could walk down. Can you give me maybe a best case scenario with what goes on with the response to Iran? We heard what the what SecDef had to say about it, and then maybe a worst case scenario, kind of as you see it, and and weigh the probabilities, if you would. Best case scenario is a 48 hour kind of like shock and all campaign like we saw over Baghdad, 48 hours of pounding, just literally dropping tons of ordnance on key uh, pressure points for Iran. They're not necessarily their infrastructure, but their nuclear infrastructure, their uh, ability to manufacture arms, logistic uh, points uh, for them moving material uh, into the Middle East that are attacking troops. So they're ports and things of that nature. Best case, case scenario, and it's such a bloody nose. It's just like a bully. I mean, a, a bully can will get back up if you punch them, but if you punch them hard enough, they're not getting back up. So that that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario is Iran says, sweet, game on, and they start turning out the lights here in, in in various portions of the United States. And then there was a recent report that came out that only the Marine Corps URA, has the uh, is actually a, a capable military fighting force. A recent uh, report, I forget the author of that report, some think tank, but basically said our military is um, subpar. Yeah, great. And how do you assess the, uh, the likelihood of the best case or the worst place? Where are we on the spectrum of, of likelihood of either of those outcomes? 
I'm going to give a greater likelihood to worst case scenario because of the current commander in chief and the clowns that he's surrounded himself with. Okay. Um, you, you got a percentage split between the two. If you had to go on the, somewhere in the spectrum, if we're on the needle and, and this is worst case scenario all the way to the right and best case yeah. scenario is all the way to the left, where are we on the needle? Where is it? Sit? 70% worst case, 30% best case. Okay. I have no faith in this, this, this leadership uh, team. Yeah. And it, to be fair, you know, George Bush 43 wasn't much better. You know, he was going to spread democracy to the Middle East. So, you know, we haven't had a coherent foreign policy regarding the Middle East in my lifetime. And it was solely based on the flow of energy. And now we're seeing those costs go up by about 22 to 25 percent because we have to go around all the way around Africa. So we haven't even seen the effects of those increased costs factored into the current inflation numbers that are already hurting American citizens. So I just, I'm sorry. I, 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 I just, God, I wish there were an off ramp here. I, I just don't see one. Is there any possibility that these people are able to think any further than first order effect thinking that they're able to kind of see the downstream of what they're doing or do they not care? Like where, where do you assess that at? Cause that's what, I, that's what I always wonder. It's like, why? And what, what's the end game that they're trying to get to? I think there's some people who 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 understand but don't care. But by and large, I think most of the people um, are just ignorant fools. They, they there's no second order. There's no critical thinking. There's no iterative thinking. They can't see. Okay, if this happens, then what? And then what? You know, when I teach college, that's the primary focus of, of my curriculum is that follow-on thinking. What? Who does this affect? And and I'm just going to have to go by evidence. It, it's not just, you know, I'm not the drunk guy at the end of the bar. It's too early to be drunk. But at least, you know, for most people, right. um, <laughs> you know, it's there's, I just haven't seen any evidence of iterative thinking um, from this White House uh, to the point where they, they seem to be on almost a suicide uh, mission for some reason, like. I, I honestly, I'm mystified. I, I really am. Yeah, that's a scary place to be for all of us. Uh, folks, you can follow George at Senior Chief EXW, which is in the title of the show. That's on Twitter. You can follow him on True Social, if you like, at Jarhead George. Those Intel community habits die hard of uh, keeping multiple different personalities on multiple different uh, platforms. You're on, uh, you're on Instagram, too, right? Is it Jarhead George? I there? am. I am. It's all outdoorsy stuff, you know, um, hiking, ATVing, mountain climbing, stuff like that. Just like what a normal person would do. I, I, I don't like living in this dark world, but it seems like we're all being forced to deal with it, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, luckily you live in the Northeast where you get to see it all uh, and you'll be right right up in the end. At least you got a bug out place. Uh, George, thanks for jumping on with short notice with me this morning. And thanks for trying out our new kind of live connection here, which is fun. I do appreciate you jumping in, bud. All right, I look forward to those getting those blood wings pinned on. I I I did get it fixed to, to some degree. It was noticed. Um, yes, but it won't be the first time I've been pinned. So I love it. Yeah, next time I see you, I'm pounding it right into your chest. All right, buddy. Thanks. It's deservedly so. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, bud. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that's George Hill, and uh, I always like his sober take on things. I always like what he has to add to it, and more importantly, I think that um, I think it should give you a little bit of both fear and and a little bit of comfort knowing that look, if it's coming that way. If that's what's coming our way, you can be prepared for it. If it catches you off guard and you've never heard of this before, you've never even thought about it, then uh, that's a much scarier proposition. So that's why we bring on people like George. You can tell by the tone of his voice. He's just a sober boater. He's a guy that's going to just tell it to you straight. He's going to give you numbers. Um, I didn't prep him with any of those questions, by the way. He just told me one thing. He gave me like a 30-second a concern this morning. And I said, why don't you jump in and talk about it? And so that's what we do. That's that's his off the cuff. He thinks about this stuff all day and obviously he teaches college as well. So if you're watching us on rumble.com right now and you guys have not given us the thumbs up, please make sure you do like this video. Let's uh, let's continue on. I've actually got some seriously scary stuff. Part of it is the way that we're seeing the uh, people who served in the military look at this problem. It's not a military problem. George just talked about readiness being at all-time lows. I've actually got a, a, a great video that kind of talks about why people are not sticking around to try to fix it. Because that's the real question. Why don't you stick around in the military and fix it? Why are you not sticking around in the FBI and fix it? Can it be fixed that way? That's a good question. Um, here's kind of a sober take on it from Nick Freitas, which I think I think we should all kind of internalize and realize where we're at. 
So I got out of the army at 11 years, which is kind of weird. Most people don't do that, especially since I loved being an SF. But I had a sergeant major come up and ask me, he goes, Nick, why are you getting out at 11 years? I said, well, Jerry, we just came off uh, one of our most successful tours in Iraq, rolled up a bunch of high value targets, were very successful, and uh, we were essentially punished for it. That's right. We had a conventional battle space owner that essentially kicked us out because he was upset that he didn't get to tag along on one of our operations, not to mention the fact that I got to felt like a 40 page con up to get outside the wire as a green beret. So it is one thing to ask my family to continually make sacrifices in order to fight a war. It is another thing to ask us to do this with no possible route toward victory because of all the bureaucratic nonsense. And he said, well, Nick, that's a crap answer. If you don't like it, then you gain some rank and you fix the problems. I said, Jerry, you're one of the best sergeant majors I know. How many problems you've been able to fix? He looked at me and I said, that's because the problems are primarily political. And he's got his coffee cup, which is kind of his signature for these little shorts. But I think it's it's absolutely important for us to recognize that these problems are political. They are not necessarily built into the people that are at the lower end of the agencies, and they're not going to be able to get enough rank either in a government agency or in a military structure to be able to fix that problem. Um, it looks like George just joined the live chat here. So you guys, I, I see you guys saying thanks to you. There was a quick question that popped up in here. It's worth covering. We, we talk about a lot of preparedness issues, you know. If you're looking between a shotgun and a rifle for the first weapon system you've ever bought, there are two arguments to be made. Number one, the rifle will do almost everything you want to do. So getting a semi-automatic rifle like an AR platform, they're very easy to use. The accessories are, are ubiquitous. You can get easy training online and get a, a familiarity with it. But when it comes to just like straight handling, uh, for, especially for like a lightweight and the barrier to entry being the lowest cost, a shotgun, a basic shotgun is really a really good way to jump into something like that. You know, my answer is all of them. I want all of the options and I have all the options. And so that's something we do. But I would also say this, like your last and your least purchase should be should be handguns because handguns are the least powered. You're already outgunned with anything you do and the number of capabilities they fit in a real, real emergency. The last thing I care about is finding out whether I'm not, I got a handgun. I've got rifles that I've got. If I was going to grab one rifle or one weapon system, it would be an AR-15 that I've got that's got both magnified optics and a, a red dot, a, a zero magnification optic. It's got both. It gives me all the possibilities. And the more money you spend on it, at some point in time, you're, you're just kind of throwing good money after bad. There's no reason to it. $500 AR is going to be more than enough for most people, especially if you never shoot and you don't plan on being somebody who goes out on a, on a weekly or a monthly basis if you're not a professional. So for whatever it's worth, that's my recommendation. If you got five, 600 bucks and you can afford to get yourself something in that range, spend it. If you've got uh, two, three hundred dollars and you need a shotgun, you're not going to be you're not going to be any worse for wear. And ammunition is inexpensive and you can find it everywhere. So that's all good, too. There's a lot of different ways that you can approach this problem. I like to be pragmatic because I know not everybody is going to put, you know, uh, thousands of dollars every year into this kind of stuff. And uh, not everyone is going to spend time doing all that training. So uh, the, the the question came out of the chat. I didn't plan on talking about that, but I just wanted to kind of pop, pop it out there as a as something to chew on. If you've never bought a weapon system before, the first thing that uh, my wife felt comfortable with was a 20-gauge shotgun. And it's the same thing as people buying like a really small caliber handgun. I always say the same thing. Um, show me the guy that wants to stand in front of that, and you're not going to get any volunteers. So no matter what caliber... If it fits you, if you're comfortable with it, if you're able to load it and you're able to rock and roll and you feel comfortable handling it and using it and, and uh, buying ammunition for it and going out and sometimes training with it, all those things are going to be way better off. You're going to feel much, much more secure with that information. And uh, it's like I said, the best weapon system is the one that you're willing to carry. That's the start. And then we start getting into a, uh, a whole new can of worms when we start talking about professionalism. I got a couple more things here I want to cover, folks, because we're not quite done yet. And one of these is uh, it's truly bizarre. This situation coming from Ilhan Omar, man, I don't even know what else you call it. I just found this on, uh, I found this on social media, but then I went and kind of dug into it because I wanted to know more about it. This is a controversial take where she asserts that she has dominance over U.S. Poly, uh, policy in Somalia and in uh, this Ethiopian memorandum of understanding that just came out. She was speaking on the 27th, just two days ago. We've actually got some video from the speech. It's about two minutes long. It's way longer than I would normally show for the audio part of it. For, so if you're listening on the audio show, you're going to hear more. It's all in Somali, so it's not going to be valuable. The the um, If you look at the subtitles, though, and that's what I'm going to be sharing it for, I want you guys to hear the subtitles, or see the subtitles, rather, and just see how wild it is. Um, she has a very strong nationalistic sense, and obviously her voter base in Minneapolis apparently are Somalis, like Somalis and white liberal ladies that are that are feeling guilty. 
she makes a, a, a statement saying that uh, we have it, it's the confidence that we need to have in ourselves as Somalis. Like she doesn't consider herself American first, even though theoretically she swore allegiance to our Constitution. She said Somalia is Somali. Somalia is one. We are brothers and our lands are indivisible a reference to some missing lands that they expect to get back in northern Kenya. There's all kinds of wild stuff in this little take here. But, um, you know, this is the same country that was an absolute, you know, mess, a, a total shithole country, as President Trump would say. And we had to kind of go in there and try to solve problems. And I don't know that we made it any better, but there's a reason why when Mark and Mark Naughton and I, who will play a little piece from in a second, the reason why Mark and I, when we were talking about like what's the worst case scenario in a U.S. city, if we were doing like a scale of like zero to, to five, five plus for a riot, you know, the Moog, Mogadishu is still front and center in a lot of people's memories. If you saw the movie Black Hawk Down, you get kind of a sense of what a disaster that area was. Like that's where Ilhan Omar's family came out of that that country at that time. It's not a good place. I have no idea why anyone would would try to aspire to what was going on there. Um, we're going to play this little clip. Like I said, if you're not tuned in, you're going to want to watch this in, um, you're going to want to have this in full screen. So if you're watching us on your phone or something like that, definitely blow it up so you can see it. Um, when you put a Somali in Congress, I guess this is what you get. So uh, here it comes. Here comes subtitles only. So I'm going to put this out on, on Twitter and I'll put it out on True Social as well. We'll just go ahead and share this so that you can get a taste of the rest of it. There's about three and a half minutes total. I don't want to play all of it. Obviously, it's all in Somali, so that doesn't help what we're talking about here. But uh, she just said you can have confidence that your daughter of Somalia is in the U.S. Congress and that we are the ones that are dominating U.S. policy. Okay. She's saying that... Uh, She's the one that's going to be the, the the subject matter expert for them, even though she grew up in this country, whether you like it or not, at, at a pretty young age, she got here and doesn't and said that she's basically Somali first, Muslim second, like her people, her tribe, number one, religion, number two, because that shared a little bit broader. This is such an anti-American sentiment, and it's so, so damning in, in your own words. It's unbelievable to me that this is the place that we're at, where we have folks uh, jumping into Congress and claiming that they are making policy. Uh, but this is this is the world we're living in right now. I've got another little piece here. If you want to just have a sense of why that is, it's because you have feeble minds that both believe Joe Biden and people like Joe Biden saying these things. And I guess people are okay with it. Like, I guess you're okay with being blatantly lied to. The man basically undid 100 Trump uh, executive orders on the United States border to create the border crisis. And now he's claiming that it's actually Congress's fault. Yes and no. Congress probably needs some better laws and policies. They need to go out there and hardline it. But we know for a fact that the Biden administration is not enforcing current existing U.S. border law. He could turn it off because it wasn't done. The, like, the legal situation is exactly the same as the day that Donald Trump came in. They didn't pass anything new. They didn't revoke anything and Biden has been the major change. So here he is claiming, uh, I think falsely, that uh, he just needs a better law. He just needs Congress. Everybody wants to pass the buck. It's a classic DC two-step as I hear it. So let's throw this thing out here real quick. Uh, hold your breath. Here comes a little Joe Biden again. And uh, you're going to be lied to. And also give me as president the emergency authority to shut down the border until it could get back under control. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And also give me as president the emergency authority to shut down the border until it could get back under control. I just wanted you guys to hear it. He just said he needs a, a law to be able to make this thing happen. It's totally absurd. It's completely ridiculous. Uh, I want to say thanks to people who don't lie to us, my friends over at Patriot Coolers, before I got one more thing for you. Um, here it is, Patriot Coolers. There you go. You can go to PatriotCoolers.com. Again, PatriotCoolers.com. The promo code is always the same. It's Kyle, K-Y-L-E. doesn't matter where you're going. If you're uh, being referred to in the links below in our show description, PatriotCoolers.com. These are our favorite sponsor from the beginning on. They, they jumped in right at the beginning, and uh, I drink out of their mugs every single day. I transport my groceries in that 50-quart in the back of my minivan. Fantastic company. They're out of Houston, Texas. They stand with Texas, too. 
They put Patriot right up front in their branding. They've got 50 stars on the bottom. They've got 13 uh, bars on almost all the products. They're very American-themed. They look great. They function well. You can't go wrong with it. And if you spend 50 bucks or more, you're going to get free shipping. If you use my promo code, K-Y-L-E, you'll get 10% off. So I highly appreciate you guys supporting them. Don't go buy something you're not looking for if you don't need it. Don't don't go buy something on my behalf. But if you're in the market for one of these top products and you've finally decided your Stanley has lead paint in it, which I saw something about that on Twitter, which I haven't looked into further, but that's not good, uh, or you've decided that your Yeti has uh, finally kicked the, you know, kicked the bucket and it's ready to, to be tossed out. Give it a goodwill. Get yourself a brand new one from Patriot. I've been using them since 2017. Uh, since I was an FBI surveillance agent, I've been using their products for quite a while, and I carried them with me in at least 20 states at this point, and, and the number keeps growing. So uh, check them out. Again, PatriotCoolers.com. You can follow them on social media. It's at PatriotCoolers. Very simple, very easy. Okay, um, I've been kind of teasing this up, folks. We've been working on something together. This is a little promo video I put together. You're going to find this on True Social. You're going to find this on Twitter. You guys can follow my buddy, Mark Naughton. It's Mark Naughton 9. Mark Naughton 9. Um, we're going to start doing this because because we are getting lied to all the time. I want to give you a taste of what we think it's going to look like and how it's going to sound. Um, bring in kind of the ground truth, what we used to call it in the military, the ground truth. And you'll see that's in Mark's bio right now. The ground truth is when you put somebody on the ground and they tell you, yeah, this is what the intel says, but this is the reality. Here we go. A little taste. There's something real about people who have actually had experiences. And it's also why we look at some of these folks that are reporters that have never done a real job. They've never done any military time. They don't have any experience on the street with law enforcement knowing what it is. They've seen riots, but they've never been on the wrong side of the riot where they're trying to hold it back. And so all of that gives us a different perspective. I think that's why guys like Mark Naughton are gonna be interesting. We are working on a collab right now, and I'm just letting you guys know this is kind of tipping our hand. We're gonna bring in some real reporting. So if you are currently watching the show and you are not following the show with the notifications on, here's my plea to you or my pitch. Click that button right now and get yourself set up to get live notifications because when things break on the East Coast, and this is 2024, y'all, it's going to break. We're going to get weird stuff going on. When it does, we are going to have a man on the ground doing the truth there. We're going to be running it here from the studio in Texas. He's going to be out there. It's a two-man operation. You're going to see both of them, me and Mark. And we're going to start moving real news, uncut. We don't have any format. We don't answer to anybody. And we're going to just show you what's happening. And if it's crazy and wild and dangerous, we'll show you that. And if it's not, and it's just one little fire on the ground somewhere, we're not going to give you the weird angle that says, oh, look, the, the city is burning. We're going to just cut it straight because that's what we're willing to invest in, getting somebody out there to be able to share unvarnished truth. So you can find him. It's Mark Naughton, N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N, the number nine, Mark Naughton nine. We're going to stream it in multiple places. We'll brand it. We'll let you guys know when it's coming, okay? But there's going to be links to his. I want you guys to support him, support us. We'll get some man on the street stuff. We'll just see what's going on in the world we're gonna do news the way that news was supposed to be done and then we'll do commentary in the morning like you guys are used to so yeah so you guys will see that out there it's gonna hit our social media in just a little bit it'll probably be shared around between me and mark um he's got a decent following on on twitter as well and he's gonna start getting into the uh, true social game so those of you that are used to following us over there uh follow mark mark not nine n-a-u-g-h T-O, is that N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N? Yeah, and the number nine. Check him out. I think you guys are going to really like it. He's also a drone pilot, so he's got access to do that. We're going to get some aerial footage. We've got extensions for you know what we're working. It should be really neat, um, and uh, it's going to be a little rough as we get going on it, but when it gets there, it's all going to be stuff that is going to be of value to you, and so join our live streams. If you haven't done it, all you got to do is go down to the subscribe button there. You need to hit follow if you're on... Um, if you're on Rumble, the button says follow. When you hit that, if you want to support us financially, it's five bucks a month to do the subscribe. That $5 goes directly to us. There's no cut out of it. 100% goes to what they call content creators, which I despise that word, but so be it. Um, speaking of content creators, I've ripped this one off. We're going to give uh, credit to Charlie Barron's here. I always try to give you guys a little bit of a taste of something just to smile about. So many of you will realize that if you just go out there in the world and meet your neighbors, that's the other hedge against chaos. I did it last night. I do it all the time. We just met a couple more of our neighbors down at the park, took our kids out there, took one of my uh, neighbor's kids and, and pumped up their their uh, bicycles. They had flat tires and I've got a compressor. We fired those up. We did a mile and a half to, or I'm sorry, a half mile over to the park. My kids were down that way playing. And then we ended up with like 10 kids playing and a bunch of parents, just regular people. I have no idea what their political beliefs are. I just know that they know that I'm not their enemy because we all have little kids. And they're all going down the slide together. Go out there and do that kind of stuff. Here's a little taste of uh, Charlie doing his thing about uh, we're, we're Midwesterners, which always makes me think of Garrett O'Boyle. I know he told me he used to watch this kind of stuff. So let's check this sucker out. 
We're Midwesterners. We'll lean in your window when you're trying to leave. We're Midwesterners. We'll wave at you with our fingers. We're Midwesterners. It's not a turn signal. It's a blinker. We're Midwesterners. We live here because of the scenery. Do you look at these views? We're Midwesterners. We don't choose our ice scrapers. Our ice scrapers choose us. We're Midwesterners. As soon as it hits 30 degrees, we switch to cargo shorts. We're Midwesterners. We don't know if we're driving on the road or a cornfield. Oh, no, there's another car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's another, another car. car. We're Midwesterners. In the winter, we drive around with the AC on because we got too many layers. We're Midwesterners. We take the leftovers home, even though we hated it the first time. That casserole suck. We're Midwesterners. It wouldn't be so cold if it weren't for the wind. Dude, what are you talking about? It's literally negative nine out. We're Midwesterners. Our stop signs like to dance. See? He's doing the twist. Come on, baby. Twist and shout. Come on, come a little closer now. Sorry. Fellow must be a fib. That fellow must be a fib. And uh, my favorite... My favorite fib and Midwesterner is my buddy Garrett O'Boyle. So I just want to let you guys know you guys can support the O'Boyle Family Sweatshop. That's our last little thing of the day. Here you go. It's the-dispendables.com. If you go to the-dispendables.com, you can get hooked up with the any number of options, including this one right here, which is my fave. You see it right there on the top of the screen. This is the uh, the sort of night vision looking version of the last line substack emblem. I need him to make me one that instead of like a two, uh, like a, like a, what do you call it? A, uh. What is it, 208? Instead of that, we have like a little microphone down here. We'll figure something out. Anyway, check out the Dash Dispendables. I went completely brain dead on that one. Check out uh, Garrett's stuff. You guys can buy the pins like you saw on George's chest, which I'm going to have to pound into his chest the next time. You can buy three of those for 30 bucks if you want, and the shipping is free. Use promo code Kyle on the website there. Again, doesn't benefit us. It just benefits him. Straight straight money to Garrett if you guys want to, uh, and his family, if you guys want to support that. The-Dispendables.com. Very much appreciated. And as we are appreciating you all, let me do a five-star review right now. Here's a good one. This is a little fun one from Bob Wicks, uh, Robert Wicks, who is always in our chat. I just want to share it. Cross-Eyed Bear, five stars. If you guys don't know what the Cross-Eyed Bear is, come to the chat and ask. Here we go. It's a, it's like a song or a story, so I'm going to do my best to it. It says, the Cross-Eyed Bear had a funny little stare. He'd look at you, and then he'd look there. And then he'd look back here. He'd try to catch a fish, but he missed and hit the dish. He'd try to catch a ball, but he missed and hit the wall. He'd try to catch a bee, and he'd miss and hit a tree. He'd try to catch a mouse but he'd miss and hit the house. Gladly, the cross-eyed bear was always in a bit of a scare, but he never lost his flair, and we always had a funny little stare. Great show where we can get entertained and educated, even if you have to learn about the cross-eyed bears. Uh, folks, if you don't know what the cross-eyed bear is, check out some of our earlier shows. Ask the chat. You guys know what to do. Uh, we really appreciate all of you. God bless you. I hope you guys are staying safe out there. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Uh, I've got Mark Hout on tomorrow. My Catholic hero of 2023, a really good person, a great man, and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy. Anytime I talk to him, I, I have a good time. So we're going to set that up, and we will see you guys tomorrow morning with Mark Hout, again at 0930 here on the Kyle Serafin Show. Rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. If you're watching anywhere else, make sure you join us on the Rumble channel, and you can join the live chat. See you again. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.